0: Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf here with you for another mailbag edition of Locked on Knicks. Alex, what are we getting into this time?
1: We got a bunch of great topics. First and foremost, we are going to talk about sort of tier the the Knicks young players and how we would value them as it pertains to various trades and what type of players we would evaluate them for. Talk about uh, a player that's not on the Knicks right now that we feel certain or almost certain Uh, We'll be on the Knicks next year. Talk about our dream Tibbs replacements and more coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. left, now fires him, and and he's fouled, and he's, oh, he's out, and he's Anthony for three, fire that one goes down, back up, off the glass, it's good, gone Barrett, it becomes infectious.
0: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, including, and you know this, if you're seeing our always smiling chipper, I'll go so far as to say chipper faces. Uh, We are now on YouTube. uh, So please go check us out there. Leave a comment, leave a like, throw us a subscription. It all helps so, so much. are you helping out i'm gavin shaw a play-by-play broadcaster uh currently mostly being seen on the varsity media sports network soon to also be on the nfhs network covering some high school lacrosse uh some new york state championship lacrosse in the near future so that'll be a whole lot of fun and he is alex wolf editor-in-chief of the strickland the greatest knicks website out there uh that can be found on all social media at the Strick. Land. Also, uh, the, the, we never mentioned this, Alex, the podcast co-host of of the uh,
1: Pod, right? On, on the yeah. 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 Very yeah. relevant. So I'm, I'm no stranger to mailbags, Gavin. And in fact, I, I'm going to take that as my cue to read our first question <laughs> since you Please. brought it up. Please. Since I'm a pro. Since I'm a pro you know, a I couldn't do pro. it. I would have messed <laughs> it up. <laughs> uh, our first question comes from Alan Turing uh, at Stacy Patton 89 on Twitter. And uh, Stacy wants to know, speaking of Strickland people, uh, co-host of Pod Strickland, uh, put the Knicks young prospects, those on rookie deals, in three categories. And Stacy only offered us three categories, but this feels not quite right, which we'll get into in a moment. But uh, the first category is untouchable except for a top 10 player. Uh, number two is valuable but would move for a good vet, like a tier below a star. And third is they're not panning out, may as well move them. Uh, Gavin, where are you falling on all these various categories? All right. So to
0: immediately attack our good friend, Stacey Patton, a, a prolific podcaster, to your point, uh, one of the smartest people talking about the Knicks, everyone go throw them a follow. Um, I, I, I needed a fourth category and Alex, you, you independently came to the same conclusion. So, I added uh, between the first and the second a player I would move for a not top 10 star. And I, I placed that as approximately a guy I would consider somewhere between the 10th and 40th best player in the league. If you saw our, our last episode, three guys who had fall into that category, Donovan Mitchell, a Shea Gillis-Alexander, or a DeAndre Ayton type of talent, uh, not quite top 10, but still I, who guys I would say um, are stars. And, uh, that is because the first category, uh, young prospects, I would not move for anyone, but a top 10 player. I have no one on the New York Knicks in that category for a Donovan Mitchell in a, in a one-to-one trade. I would, I would trade RJ Barrett. I would trade Emmanuel quickly. Um, I would give up anyone, uh, for a Donovan Mitchell. I think I'd give up anyone for a Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think I'd give up, uh, maybe maybe eight and not not quite to the same extent but but those first two guys and plenty of other guys between 10 and 40 uh, yeah I would be willing to trade those two players for uh given the right combination of youth interest in staying on the Knicks uh, for a long time uh fit with the other guys in the young core um, and that's because i I think of RJ Barrett as someone who could be in that 10 to 40 range for a long time I think maybe even it's it's fairly likely that he will be. But for a player of a similar age who's already there, um, I think I'd be willing to to make that deal for someone who has a profile as a more efficient guy. Uh, players that are in my next category would move for a not top 10 star. Uh, yeah, R.J. Barrett, already mentioned. Um, can't put him any lower than that. Uh, Emmanuel Qu- quickly, Quentin Grimes, and Um, And then players I consider valuable but would move for a good vet. Uh, Cam Reddish, Jericho Sims. Deuce McBride, Mitchell Robinson. And none of those guys, I, I think I think they're all pretty clear for me. Like none of them were particularly close to being in the next category. But I wouldn't say any of them aren't panning out, right? Like Kevin Knox would have been the guy who, who could have been in that category a year ago. But I think all those guys have solid potential. I think all those guys, there's a world where they spend as many as 10 seasons on the New York Knicks. Uh, it, it's it, There's still a lot to prove for Reddish, for McBride. But I like the upside of all those guys. So I'm, I'm not ready to say that they're just flat out not panning out.
1: Yeah, I'm. A, I'll, I'll rule that category out too. I I don't like. I, I don't think that there's anyone that I would say is just like not panning out. Time to move them. Like every single young player that played for the Knicks this year, and this is a testament to how good the young core is on the Knicks and why we're so excited about them. Every single one of them showed something this year. Now, whether they were given enough opportunities to do so uh, is a whole other thing. But you know, the is, which I'll get into later in the episode. But like. You know, they they all showed something and they all seem to get along and they all seem to be pretty happy. Like other than maybe like maybe you could argue Cam didn't seem super happy about not getting like any minutes at first. But then he started getting some minutes and carving out a role for himself right before getting hurt. And, you know, I I think that everybody on the team, you know, managed to show out in in some demonstrable way this year. And I wouldn't say that any of them are just like. Nope, didn't work out. Like, if Kevin Knox was still on the team, that would be the guy I would say for that. I'd be like, yeah, it's just not working out with Kevin Knox. Like, but he was going to hit restricted free agency anyway. Um, But I would be like, yeah, okay, yeah, it's time to move on from him. Like, it's just, it's run its course, you know. Uh, But I actually, I put RJ in the the untouchable except for a top 10 player, mostly because I just think if you're planning on moving on from a Julius Randle, I think you have to set a really high bar for moving RJ Barrett. Because you have to, you know, the ideal then is that he's going to be pairing with whatever player you bring in. Like a, if you're getting like a Mitchell or an SGA level player, you're hoping that the team can turn out to be greater than the sum of its parts. And, you know, that, that RJ plus that other like 10 to 40 star can, you know, band together and be sort of like the star nucleus of the team and and they can be successful in that way. So that's why I set the higher bar there. I think just from, from like a management perspective, it's like, if you give up RJ for that type of player, then how much have you really improved the team? Like you've traded the guy that could become that or more for the guy that is already sort of, I mean, I'm not saying like Donovan Mitchell is necessarily capped out, but I think it's pretty safe to say that he's near what his prime production is going to be. Um SGA little younger, you know, so it's, it's even less fair to say that he's capped out, but, you know, he might be getting close to that too, because we saw like a pretty significant regression from him this year. Can, can um, I throw
0: in another name at you, Alex? If New for, Orleans calls you tomorrow and you're Leon Rose and they say, hey, Brandon Ingram for RJ Barrett
1: straight up, you're saying, Nah, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I kind of think so because like Ingram signed to a true max deal, right? Like he signed like a true rookie max, if I'm not mistaken, and if you can get RJ for less than that, I'd rather have RJ on a lesser contract and have more cat flex. I think, you know, as great as Brandon Ingram is, um, I, the reality is the Knicks did better than the Pelicans did this year. It just got overshadowed by the fact the East was way better, you know? Uh, so, and, and the Pelicans then, you know, made some noise in the playoffs, obviously in the play in, but no, I, I think, I, I think I'd still probably say no to that. Maybe that makes me a little bit of a homer, but you know, I, I, I believe in RJ Barrett to that extent. Um, I'm pretty much with you with the other guys though, like IQ, I would probably say my next tier is like IQ, OB and Grimes that I would say are in that, like would only move in a, like a trade for one of those like 10 to 40 level stars. Um, And, you know, with the, with the idea of pairing that player with RJ Barrett and again, like forming like a star nucleus. Um, and then, you know, Jericho Sims, I do really like him. Uh, Cam Reddish, obviously, tons of untapped potential, but he's pretty much all untapped potential. Mitchell Robinson in a sign and trade, Deuce McBride. And I also threw, actually, you know, I would put future draft pick number 11 in the next tier up, mostly just because if it was like this offseason, if you make a pick at number 11, never even see the guy play in the NBA and then just trade him for like, a decent role player that's selling incredibly low on someone who you can sell is just untapped potential that hasn't even played an NBA minute yet. So much like a draft pick itself is, you know, worth more than like the actual player you pick with it. A player that's freshly drafted is like a mystery box. He could be, you know, he could be a a boat or he could be a, another mystery, but you know, whatever it, yeah. it, the whole thing. Um, So, you know, I, I think that, I would put that player, whoever it ends up being in that next category up as well, just because the value is inherently higher until they play their first minutes on the floor. Um, And it is a lottery pick, you know, even if you even if you make the pick and whatever, it's still a lottery talent. So, yeah, I think that's where I sit with that whole question.
0: Cool. We're on the same page. Uh, When we come back, uh, we are moving on to a question from our friend Urim Lakaj, telling you which player we are certain will be on the team next year. And then we will get into our dream coaching hire in a world where we're both depressed because Tom Thibodeau is no longer the coach of the New York Knicks. But first, I got to tell you all about prize picks. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and we know you will too. All you got to do is pick two to five players and an over/under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that easy. They're safe, and they offer fast withdrawals. Um, in addition to any prop you can think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. They even allow mixed sport. Entries so maybe you could throw out there uh will the Rangers win more playoff games this year than the New York Yankees over their next. 20 games. I don't know. That's a weird one, but you could do it. Um, And PrizePix doesn't just offer NBA. They have options on college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB soccer, MMA, and more. So, for a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today and use code NBA $50 for free if a player in your PrizePix entry scores a single point. And uh Irm Lakaj, Alex, one of our smartest fans. I'm sure he's been using prize picks for a while, probably making bank on it. Uh, Irm, uh, you feel free to confirm this is true or not on Twitter. He has a great question for us. Um, At Lakaj, if you want to throw him a follow. Seriously, he's, he's been a day one. Always shout out to Irm. He wants to uh, us to name one player that is not on the roster um, at the end of the season, but we are certain will be on the roster uh by the start of next season. That could be via the draft, via free agency, or via trade. So Alex, who is the first name that came to your mind?
1: I <laughs> I feel like we say his name so often <laughs> that it's getting tiring at this point almost, but I think it's Jalen Brunson. I just I think there's when there's that much smoke, I feel like there has to be fire. He's the he's the guy right now that I'm just most pinpointing of being like, I think he's gonna end up a Nick. One way or another, there's just too many connections. Leon Rose basically being like his uncle or whatever or godfather. Like I don't know what their relationship is, but clearly they're tight because Rick Brunson and Leon Rose are like best friends. As you know, Rick was uh, Leon's first client. You know, there's just there's too many connections there I, for any. And you know, I, I believe he's from this general area as well. I. Brunson grew up near Philly, right, Jalen? Like, he was a Philly kid when he went to Villanova? Not 100% sure. Yeah, I think so. I think he grew up in the area, too. So, it's like... But he went to school at Villanova, regardless, which is close. So, like, there's just a lot of ties to this area. He's going to want to find... Yeah, like, he's
0: from uh, New, New Brunswick, New Jersey.
1: Oh, even better. Right around the corner. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't he go to Rutgers? Why can't Rutgers get any good recruits? New Jersey basketball would be so good. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think... I just think that there's too many ties to this general area, and you know, to to you know Leon Rose and and the whole Knicks front office family at this point for him not to end up on the Knicks. So that's that's the number one answer for me. The draft is too much of a crapshoot. Like I can't pick one player in the draft that I'm like, yes, I'm positive this guy's going to be on the Knicks because, like, I don't even know who's going to be available there. Like, there's so many variables at play with like Shaden Sharp entering the draft and like you know, various guys that seem like they could go anywhere from like, like six to 15, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea who's even going to be available there to, to make like a surefire guess on that one. Um, And then trade, forget about it. Like I have no, I have no clue. I I would love to say like, Oh, definitely they'll get Donovan Mitchell, but like there's no way of knowing that that's going to be such a, such a crazy market for him. If, if he becomes available and regardless of if he wants the Knicks or not, the Jazz have every bit of power to say, uh no, we're just gonna trade you where we want to, where they're gonna give us the most of what we want. And maybe the Knicks aren't that. So I, I think it's Brunson.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the right answer. Uh, I just I just didn't want to say him again. So I'm throwing a dart, but total gut instinct here. Uh Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. Uh the, the more I hear about him, the more I read about him, the more I like him as a player. I think he feels an interesting niche on the Knicks in that they don't really have, I mean, unless maybe if you count RJ Barrett as a shooting guard, but I think they don't really have that kind of self-creation combined with shooting uh, specifically at the two guard spot. Again, Emmanuel quickly an exemption, whatever. I I think he, I think he would be sort of unique on this Knicks team. And, and again, I keep making this reference, but if you want the Knicks to build in that uh, Memphis mold of just having no bad players, I could see him being part of just this ultra deep roster as, as kind of a, not exactly the same type of player, but filling the same type of role as kind of a D'Anthony Melton type uh, on a team that is just loaded. And, and in a specific series on a specific night um, can just pull different rabbits out of the hat. Uh, given who the opponent is, I could see him down the road for the Knicks having some monster games, being a really good fit and, and just adding another top notch young guy to the rotation who, who's, who might not be a, a super duper star, but it's just very, very solid all around. It's gut instinct, a little bit crazy to your point, Alex. It's like picking a lottery ticket, but that is uh, that is who I am going with. Um, and we will move on to another lottery ticket because it seems incredibly likely that Tom Thibodeau will be back as the head coach of the New York Knicks next season. But if he isn't, uh, that's a scenario Jordan Bubb at Bub Jordan wants to explore. He says, if Tibbs wasn't coached next season, who would be the dream hire for the Knicks? Has to be semi-realistic. Alex, who's your guy? Uh,
1: I actually... I think it would be Johnny Bryant, to be completely honest. Uh, I mean, he was and still is considered a real up-and-comer in the coaching community. He's viewed really highly, both inside and out, of the Knicks organization. Like, you know, he was coveted when he came to the Knicks as, like, Tibbs' lead assistant. And you know they they kind of had to like I won't say go out on a limb but like they made him out out of all the guys that they hired when Tibbs first got hired you know they hired Mike Woodson Kenny Payne both who have like long storied histories as as coaches they really had they had to pry Kenny Payne away from Kentucky like Mike Woodson was coming back after being a head coach before in his career obviously for the Knicks and you know had, had a lot of cachet there but they gave Johnny Bryant the associate head coach title which I think speaks to where he's at in his career right now, as far as being like right on the cusp of being a, a head coach. And I mean, he's clearly got the respect of, of the players. Uh, there's so many players that like speak highly of him, even ones that never played for teams. That he's coached for that just like work with him in the off season and whatever. Uh, so I think I'd be willing to give him a shot. You know, I like the idea of not going after, you know, even like, let's say like Kenny Atkinson or something, which like a lot of people wanted, when, you know, Tibbs was uh, up for the job, you know, it was like Tibbs or Atkinson, like which one you go
0: or, or Jason Kidd, which looks like it might have been pretty good now, despite our protest. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, it, it, like as much as it's great to go after these guys that have already done something, I like the idea of finding a Nick Nurse type more, you know, like find someone, especially from within your own organization that already knows your players, already has their respect and give them a shot. That's that's why I feel pretty strongly about Johnny Bryant. I'd be lying if I'm like, oh, I know that Johnny Bryant's going to like come with the stuff. Like He's going to have the best offensive schemes and whatever. But I'll say this much for Tibbs. I think he's laid a really good defensive blueprint for this team that Johnny Bryant would be intimately familiar with uh, and could continue like the legacy of. But then Johnny Bryant strikes me as more of an offensive mind and someone who would be a little more exploratory in that regard and so I I want to give him a shot I think he's my answer
0: yeah d- don't hate me but uh Kenny Atkinson uh, <laughs> is my answer um I, I think I think he'll benefit uh or has benefited from his time in Golden State under Steve Kerr getting to watch and learn how things work there I thought already offensively I I thought he ran pretty beautiful offense uh, as the coach of the Brooklyn Nets and, uh, not to remind people of this, but as a former Nets podcaster, I remember the stat I would always throw out on, on that podcast was, uh, that the Nets consistently allowed, uh, the best shot profile of any team in the NBA defensively. So even when they weren't always great analytically, they were playing the right way. Um, and also his, his emphasis, uh, uh, which, which again, you can argue that Tip actually playing the guys has done a fantastic job and uh, is player development. So I think he would continue that trend. And I, I think it's crucial that whoever the Knicks hire is someone, regardless of how good they are as a coach, who continues that trend. Uh, my old answer to this question uh, before I got hired by the Timberwolves and is doing a great job was someone like Chris Finch, who's just known for being really, really inventive offensively. If the Knicks could find a younger coach, and maybe, maybe that is Johnny Bryant fits that mold and just someone who's a really creative mind or is already the offensive coordinator for a good team. Uh that would that would certainly intrigue me. I, I would I mean I, I just I go back to uh the play that Minnesota ran for the game time three against Memphis before Anthony Edwards went for the steal and, and blew it and John moran got that big layup to win game five. Like he, he's just creative and just runs great stuff. I think Atkinson gives you some of that, but I'm sure there are some young guys out there who We'll also give you that. Uh, So I would just want the Knicks to cast their net wide, maybe be a little bit more flexible in terms of the mold of the guy they hired. It felt like they were always locked in on a Thibodeau type for lack of a better descriptor. Uh, So that that, that I guess is generally what I would hope for Alex.
1: Well, Gavin, I, I don't think it's entirely likely that Tibbs gets fired and we get to entertain these discussions for real at this point, but you better believe if Tibbs does get fired uh, spectacularly and and dramatically this offseason, that betonline.net is going to have some odds on who the Knicks Nets next head coach will be. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Let's go Mets! Betonline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to the playoffs, esports and more and uh gavin i've got some fresh odds sitting in front of me right now and the one that stands out to me the most i'm sticking by it i said this at the beginning of the playoffs i'm gonna say it again uh the milwaukee bucks at nine to two to win the championship i dig that i also dig the bucks at 19 to 10 i don't know why they can't just take the plunge and say two to one but 19 to 10 to win the Eastern Conference. I would make both those bets. I like the way Giannis is playing right now. I think he's gonna beat the Celtics. And I think that I think that the Celtics and Bucks series will be pretty interesting and will probably, much like the the Bucks Nets series of last year, be sort of the de facto Eastern Conference finals before Giannis makes it back there. I think Giannis goes back to back, proves all the haters wrong, and proves that you don't need to know how to shoot three point shots to be The best player in the NBA. You could just be the most physically gifted player, maybe in the history of the game. You hear Uh, that? There's a chance for Julius (laughs) Randle. There is a chance. So if you want to do some betting action of your own, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Gavin, we are back for our final question here of this episode. We do have some more draft centric questions which i don't know we might try to get a guest for truth be told as we're recording this we have not booked a guest to talk about draft questions but we figured we'd at least entertain the idea so maybe we'll see about that
0: this is a solicitation if you're listening uh, hit us yeah on.
1: if you're listening and you like the draft hit us on okay no, uh, <laughs> uh but our our next question comes from a familiar face uh throughout this mailbag because he was a, a question asking all-star jordan bub at bub jordan wants to know which nick's sophomore will have the biggest improvement next season. Will it be A, Quentin Grimes, B, Miles McBride, or C, Jericho Sims, who wants to be a millionaire style? Uh, And bonus question, who has the most potential out of this group? Oh, wait, I have to add a stupid D one. Uh, Or is it D, Kevin Knox? Uh, (laughs) And the bonus question, who has the most potential out of this group, Gavin?
0: Kevin Knox. No, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going with uh, Quentin Grimes for for both. Uh, I strongly consider Deuce McBride because I think he has the most room for improvement, right? Because Grimes is already so solid this year, and I think I think his improvement would be more subtle, right? It would it would be um, just being more consistent, getting more time. Um, but I could see him emerging as a above average NBA starter next season and for a guy who only played 20 something games this year i, I think that is a, a drastic drastic jump i don't want to project a, a desmond bain-esque uh leap for him where we're all of a sudden like he he's basically a 20 point scorer in his second season i think that would be more likely i mean if that does come i don't know if that's the most realistic outcome for him i think that'd be more likely in his third season but i also wouldn't totally rule it out i think another year of of making more than two dribble moves of finding ways to get all the way to the basket of continuing to be effective in transition. And I think someone who, if he plays 30 minutes a game could realistically get up eight or nine threes a game and hit them at a 36, 37, 38% rate and, and just become a legitimately really good NBA player, which is, is a massive leap for any rookie who isn't just exceptional. In his first season, uh, Deuce McBride would be my answer if I was confident that he was going to get the opportunity and play 26 to 28 minutes a game. I, I just think with the Knicks seemingly angling for a point guard either in free agency or perhaps in the draft, uh, I think it's it's a less likely outcome, uh, and especially with Evan Fournier and Alec Burks more likely than not to be on the roster, that he will get significant time a year from now, even though I think he has that potential. And I think if given that time, he could be that type of dude. But but to me, it's Quentin Grimes. And then Grimes, I think, is the, is the obvious answer for the potential one. There are people out there, uh, namely uh, Dallas Amico, who was on this podcast semi-recently, who would give you Jericho Sims uh, and, and his flexibility, both offensively and defensively. But to me, I, I just think there are more elements to Grimes' game that I like. And I think at this point, even though Sims has some flashes of some really special skills, and maybe his abilities are a little bit more subtle than Grimes, uh, I think Grimes, at, at least in my mind, is the obvious answer there as well.
1: Yeah. So as far as the as far as the improvement goes, I'm actually I'm going to go a different direction because I think I think a lot of how we view progression is relative to relative to the sample that we have already and you know, relative to like what they've done, even if there was potential, like Deuce McBride is my guy. And and the reason that he's the guy that I think will show the most improvement is that like on paper, I think his numbers are going to get a lot better next year. Like, I mean, his numbers were pretty bad, like shooting the ball and stuff this year, even if his impact numbers were great. um, His shooting numbers were really bad. He shot like under 30% from three. I think his actual field goal percentage was only like 35 or 37% or something like that. Uh, I didn't even look it up because it was low and it's not worth <laughs> diving that much into. Uh, whereas Quentin Grimes, you know, had some really great games already this year and put up really great numbers, like shot damn near 40% from three, you know, as a rookie and all that, and like had multiple games where he hit like over five three-pointers. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, he's already got it. You know, like he's going to have to take a pretty big leap up. And so that like the expectations are already – somewhat high for him because he set a pretty high bar, which is just sort of a testament to how good he is with deuce. It's like, we saw flashes, but we didn't really get to see much of even what was like on his scouting report. You know, we saw the G league stats and stuff where he just annihilated the G league. Um, but that was pretty much it. That was like the only, the only like standout moment that he had this year, other than like those two games, uh, where he got to start when everybody had COVID and like the, was a 16 and 10 game against the Rockets. Like, yeah, that was pretty much the only real extended look we got at him um, this season. So I, I think just it's going to end up being deuced just relative to like he'll. I don't know what everybody's expectations will be, but you know, to those that aren't like intimately familiar with his game and didn't you know get all the intel that that like we did last year or whatever, like look up his draft you know tape or you know whatever or watch some of his G League stuff. Like, to people that just watch, like, the Knicks games, like, he's going to look like he made a huge leap next year if he gets, like, actual playing time, Um, which hopefully he will, because I I think his impact numbers show that he should be getting more playing time, you know, and and get some, you know, sort of leeway to figure out the shot and stuff, because I think that he's a rhythm player as much as anybody else on this team. We sort of saw the same thing with quickly, where the the rhythm helps establish that jump shot. Um, So, yeah, I, I think that he's the guy that, it has the potential to take the biggest like improvement, especially on paper, uh, as far as getting his stats better and stuff. Um, I think I'm with you with ceiling though. I think it's Grimes. I think for a lot of reasons that we've talked about during the season and after the season, you know, like if he, if he learns to attack closeouts and turn that into either say, or I should say learn to attack closeouts better. Cause he definitely showed some flashes this year. And, you know, learns how to, like, develop some sort of a inside game for himself to be able to finish, like, a layup or a floater or whatever. Plus, you know, continuing to be put in situations where he can set up teammates and show off his, his surprisingly good passing in those situations. Like, that's going to be a game-changer for him. We've thrown the name Clay Thompson out there, which is, like, lofty, but not completely unrealistic. Like, when you have a guy that, again, managed to put up, like, multiple performances this year where he made like over five three-pointers you know it's like that's that's a shooter that's a guy that's already got the shooting part of the game figured out which is so important uh so you know if he keeps adding these wrinkles to his game combined with his phenomenal defense like i think his ceiling his his ultimate ultimate ceiling is like an all-star or like a multi-time all-star and like a potential all-defense player you know it it's that high um so i don't know if he'll hit that but I think that there's a good case to be made that he's got the most potential, especially being at the wing position, which is like still to this day, I think the most premium position in the NBA. Uh, if he hits his ceiling, you know, that that's a huge thing. Um, Deuce McBride, I think can be really good Sims. You know, I can certainly see it with like the rebounding and the defense and the screen setting and everything else. If he peaks out, maybe he's like a shorter, more athletic Rudy Gobert type with the amount of impact that he can have, but I think that he's got a much steeper path to that. Um, but I also think that if Grimes hits the ceiling, it's higher. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Grimes higher ceiling all the way. And I think just relative to circumstances, I think that Deuce has the the more like breakout quote unquote year next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, Quinn Grimes, he's my guy. He's your guy. He's all of our guys. See, I'm I'm excited to watch him play basketball again. And uh, I'm excited to talk to all of you again later this week. But that is it for this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. Again, stay tuned. We have some fantastic guests lined up the rest of this week on some really interesting topics. Uh, But for now, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Throw us a subscription. uh, Throw us a like. Throw us some five-star reviews. I, I like I like going to go read the iTunes reviews, and there just there hasn't there hasn't been a ton of new stuff recently. So get creative, write whatever you want. Just just throw us those five stars. It, re- it really does help the podcast a whole lot, and allows us to keep shorting out five of these a week. But it, until next time, uh, be good. Peace out. I'll talk to you soon.